Hello and welcome to the NRL Supercoach Champions Podcast. I'm Joe Fitz. No scripted rant introduction from me this week. It's too depressing giving the performance of my side, so I'm going to throw straight to 2016 Supercoach Champion Wilfred Z to hopefully give me some better news on your teammate. Uh, how'd you go last week? Yeah, look, I had a decent week. I scored 1394, which saw me get another green arrow. I am now down to 12,500, actually. So, uh, you know, that's about 8,000 spots in three weeks. So slowly but surely, but yeah, I'm still way off the pace. I'm, my ranking's going up, but I'm not really cutting the, the gap to top 1,000 very much. Uh, even though I've gone up 8,000 spots, I think I've only cut down like 30 points on the gap. So it's been slow going, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, that's the highest score out of the three of us this week. Bear, who unable to join us again, unfortunately, we really wanted him in here, but 12,039, he had a bit of a rough one. I think he traded in Kalen Ponga and that's probably all we need to say about that one. For, for, for the second time this year, traded Ponga in, yeah, it is a bit rough, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. And... 12.39 for him, so down to 2,600 or so. Still about 350 points off top 1,000, so he's still definitely within striking distance, but hopefully gets a bit more luck with his trade-ins this time. And, Joe, unfortunately, dragging behind this week. Rough one for you, huh? Yeah, 11.47. I've drifted another kind of 1,900 spots to the 6,500s, and, look, you know, I was uh, poised for an assault on the top 1,000 two or three weeks ago, but... I think I've decided to hold all the wrong people and trade in all the wrong people, and uh, it's just come back to bite me. So the team's in absolutely all sorts at the moment, but we'll go on to that a bit later when we go through the trades. Um, our champs doing far better than us, though. Yeah, strong rounds from a couple of the champs, especially MJ, coach of 4020s, up to 48th. So he's still pacing the champions group there. And we've also got Fong, coach of Munster Inc., uh, up to 116th. So yeah, strong performances from them, so hopefully they can bring it home as well. Uh, quick shout-out to Champions 20 Head-to-Head 2 League. They're still hanging on um, 30th overall. So, yeah, again, head-to-head league. And it's <laughs> unfortunately, it seems like some of our leagues, we've got people who have just stopped playing, unfortunately, and that's obviously tanking the league rankings, which is pretty rough. But uh, Turbo's Hemi's Cup, uh, going strong, uh, still third, but closing the gap on the top one and first and second place leagues. I won this week. I'm pretty stoked about that, but still, I think I'm safely out of contention for finals. And you're still hanging out thereabouts, aren't you? Yeah, first loss in about six weeks, uh, and I think I've been seventh for every single week of those six weeks. So um, just the vagaries of the head-to-head ladder, but yeah, still in seventh. So a chance to sneak into the head-to-head finals, um, you know, with all the podcasters, including Tim Moody, who's in the number one overall position. So you know, good luck to him. He's uh, Wow, he's, he's a couple of thousand points ahead of us, I think, at this point. So, um, yeah, really fun league. And, and just to your point earlier about, um, you know, some of the champs leagues, there has, has been a little bit of a drop-off. I think I've seen that largely across, um, you know, across the game where obviously you always have your zombie teams where, you know, people are in a work league or, you know, they're pretty casual and, and, and kind of have given it a go for half a season and drop off. But I've got to say, you know, without being too critical on the game at all, I still enjoy it. But I have seen an, an inordinately high number of invested players kind of drop off um, towards the end of this year. I, I don't know if that's something you've kind of seen as well. Yeah, definitely. It, it, like really seasoned super coaches who is unfortunately their care factor is just as you know near zero, and they're still playing. So they're not full on zombie teams, but 
they're not keeping up with the late mail. They they don't realize people are out, and you know they don't really care if they miss a player or whatever. So it's a bit rough. Um, I think a lot of people are struggling to stay interested, and I don't know if it's just because of just the the slog that the season seems to feel like. You know, after the sprint that we had from twenty rounds last year. Uh, to you know it's only 25 rounds but the buys are back and just the injury and suspension toll has been so high i just think that seems to suck a lot of the enjoyment out for a lot of people well it's been punishing hasn't it you know there's there's been weeks obviously i mean it, it's so funny to say but uh you know it's not that many weeks ago that you guy and i were scoring 1500 and dropping in ranks Whereas, you know, 1,500 in previous years would, um, you know, nine times out of 10, you're in the contention for the weekly cash uh, with that stuff. But, you know, you and I are dropping in hundreds or thousands of spots with that because people are getting 1,700. So um, there are the highs of, of scoring that, but it's a little bit of a sugar hit, I think, because, yeah, it, the, those injuries and those suspensions have, have been pretty punishing for our sides. And, and not only that, it's the arbitrary nature of the crackdown and, and all of that kind of stuff as well. I think, um, you know, I'm not up on the uh, the NRL ratings of late, but you've got to be concerned that that kind of apathy has bled through to, to non-fantasy fans as well. Yeah, I do know a lot of, you know, rusted on league fans, not just Supercoach fans, but league fans who they used to watch six to eight games a week. And right now they're watching two or three max and it's like in the background, they're not even sitting down and actually enjoying the game in detail so certainly some concerns there but at the same time you know still love the game still love super coach and i'm not going to give up on it but uh yeah look uh, i have to say certainly there's been weeks uh you know as much as i enjoyed magic round just playing super coach captaining pappenhausen that week i i that really really shook me up hey (laughs) it was painful (laughs) so it was nothing to do with the fact that lakey from the super coach talk podcast and i were on either side of you absolutely giving it to you because we captain cleary that week yeah as as he broke the super coach scoring record no I blame the beers, mate. But no, look, I I totally agree. And, you know, without starting the pod off on too much of a downer, it has just been a bit of a punish uh, this season. Still love my super coach, still love talking about it. But uh, I certainly don't blame people if they want to recapture those wife points or um, or husband points, you know, towards the end of the year if they're out of contention. So just that kind of year. I know Tommy and Rob and and the boys are looking at shaking things up with the format for next year with some with some new rules, which they obviously can't talk about probably until January next year. But um, they, their fingers completely on the pulse, and I do one hundred percent have trust in them that they'll be able to uh, get it back on track, even when the NRL seems to be, you know, veering from uh, from one issue to the other. So, uh, but enough about that. Uh, Wolf, let's talk about something even more depressing, uh, all the bloody injuries to consider uh, for the Supercoach Week. What's the matter? Haven't you ever seen a football injury before, you wimps? Let's go. All right, so unfortunately, rough round for injuries, lots and lots to get through, so no beating around the bush. Uh, so firstly, unfortunately, uh, Tohu Harris, Javid Bowen, both gone for the season with ACL injuries. And given it's about eight months till round one next year, so it would not be uh, impossible for either or both of them to be ready for round one. But obviously, you know, we've spoken in the past, especially with NRL Physio, that there can be some impacts on performance and it could be until, you know, 18 months onwards before they're actually back at their peak performance. So, 
yeah, terrible news there, unfortunately, for both guys, especially, I think, well, you know, Torhu is getting towards the tail end of his career and he's playing really good footy, so that's devastating for him and also the Warriors fans. And also for Javid Bowen, I mean, he's finally getting his shot again. He'd been kind of left in, you know, Reggie's uh, wilderness for a while, but, um, you know, had seemingly had gotten his shot for a bit and then obviously, yeah, no good. So uh, all the best to, their, to both of them for their recovery. Now, then we have George Jennings, which is a PCL. And so the difficulty with this one, basically, from inner physio is that uh, based on like it was a contact injury. So it's unclear whether it's grade one, grade two or grade three, basically. So uh, the range, like if it's a grade three, basically it could be like a six to eight week recovery. If it's grade one, it could be one to three. So until we get further information from the storm, it's just a tough one. So for Jennings owners like myself, I think it's just a wait and see for a bit and see, you know, whether he's going to be back in a couple of weeks or not. Then we've got James Fisher-Harris who... You know, it's like a whole assortment of injuries. Firstly, there was a bit of a, a crusher issue with his neck and then he got twisted a bit with his knee. And also seemingly like when he came off, he had a lot of discomfort around his torso. So maybe like a rib issue. Right now, we don't have anything specifically other than the Panthers saying that he actually, you know, is, is a chance for the coming week. And obviously he's been named as well. So yeah, just a big watch there. Could just be that he's going to be managed a little minutes-wise, so that's always a tough one without further information there. After that, we've got a bunch of hamstring issues, unfortunately. So the biggest news is Alex Johnston, who was absolutely on fire. Two tries, and then unfortunately hurt uh, himself scoring the second one. But he is, at the moment, it said two to four weeks. And from what uh, NRL Physio saw in the field, it looked like he, you know, there was still a bit of strength there, which is a good sign for him. But then Wayne Bennett and the presser said he is going to be missing a couple of weeks. So that falls within the two to four week range. Should be basically in that range. But that, that is a tough time frame to kind of predict. Obviously, if if it's two weeks, that's no, not a, not too bad of an issue. But if it's four weeks, that's a good chunk of the remaining, you know, the remainder of the season for Supercoach. So, yeah, you'll have to wait and see, I guess, and, and kind of make a call based on your own teams. Uh there was, uh, you know, NRL physio pointed out in, in the past anyway, re-injury risk is there for hamstrings, 10, 10 to 30%, which is not insignificant, basically. So something to weigh into uh, your decision-making, no doubt. Uh, there's a couple other injuries, Rocco Berry, another hamstring injury as well. So probably not too relevant given it's the Warriors. But, uh, you know, it's a tough one for the young kid. Mitch Pierce hurt himself at training and... You know, with him obviously missing last week and even with this week, he's going to take, like, he hasn't been named, but it's a 10 days to that uh, turnaround time. So that's probably why, which kind of puts him at a chance for next week, uh, like the following round, round 20. But it's certainly no guarantee. So something to keep an eye on there for Knights fans. And then Take Aho. So this is going back to apparently him injuring himself back in round 12 or thereabouts and just kind of being you know, nursed through, so to speak, and playing at less than 100% fitness. <laughs> it's just horrible. So it, it's a tough one for Takeaho owners, and he's obviously dropped a fair bit in value. And it's, uh, you know, ultimately this the lack of information has meant uh, we, we, you know, those who traded him in or held him did so on incomplete information. And that's one of the frustrating things that we certainly have had to deal with a lot for a long time for Supercoach purposes. But yeah, that's a tough one for owners there to think about. Next injury is the finger 
uh, fracture for Jamal Fogarty. At this stage, still waiting for more information, but... I mean, it comes down to whether it was actually a compound fracture. From what NRL physio says, he couldn't quite see from the vision that they had. So if it is a compound fracture, it's obviously more uh, complex and it'll be a longer uh, return to play. And if there's a tendon involved, then that's like season basically. So just, um, you know, not not hugely relevant for super coach purposes, but uh, it obviously has a flow-on effects to the actual Titans team. Then there's a bunch of corks, uh, including Jerome Hughes to his calf. I think TC Rabadi was a leg issue as well. And then Carl Lawton uh, was a back issue. And Mitch Moses was thought to be a cork to the back, but it's since come out that he had a, a fractured um, back uh, from you know, early on in Origin 3. So that's uh, pretty pretty significant there that he played through it. And you know all this chat about him being rested, and you know, I've seen a lot of people criticizing Moses for being soft like that's just come on mate you know it's a fractured back I think he's done all right so I think all the more reason for us not to you know go off too early in in situations where we don't have the full information uh but and Lawton cleared um when he went to hospital cleared of any significant issues so it's just a obviously a bit of a pain tolerance thing moving forward uh TC Rabadi seems like he's okay he's been named to play uh and Jerome Hughes also named to play, but like I said, there is a little bit of injury cloud there just because, uh, you know, it's a pain issue and there's also the rear aggravation issue, uh, which, you know, if he cops another knock to that calf, then he may not be able to return to the field just like he did this time around. And that, you know, that passes with time, but we, as we've seen with like James Tedesco basically, um, and our physio compared the two, like his hip pointer injury is basically like a bad cork to the hip. So whilst he's played with it, it, it certainly impacted his um, performance on the field a little bit. And he's obviously had to have the padding and, you know, that bum bag that he had for a while. So it does impact the player. And if there's another bad hit to it, and then it could, you know, the, the, the pain becomes debilitating and it's hard to play with. And that's why they come off. So, yeah, that's something to keep in mind for Hughes owners there. Now, Jack Whiten has a rib issue, which he's missed. Uh, he's missing again this week. So I think in the past, it's always, we've talked about it. It's just a pain tolerance issue. So yeah, fingers crossed that Jack comes back soon. Wade Egan, unfortunately, shoulder injury. It looks like he's gone for the season. But I, I, I don't think there's been official confirmation just yet. But he's obviously not playing this week and yeah, may not play for the rest of the year. Val Holmes still on track for his AC joint. Uh, recovery, um, I guess you, we, we saw Torhu Harris and Chad Townsend both return very quickly from AC joint injuries. It's ultimately partially a pain issue. So uh, NRF physio says maybe a chance for next week, but unlikely, and probably expecting him the week after. So something to keep an eye on there. Then we have Phil Sammy and also Jacob Saifidi, both of ankle issues. Uh, Phil Sammy looked like in all sorts, basically. And he limped off, like he he couldn't walk off. He needed help, and uh, same with Jacob. In that, it was really painful to the, to the eye. But uh, he said it was both of them are like more lateral issues. I think I think, and it's uh, you know sometimes the initial injury and the initial pain is more of a concern than what the actual ongoing um, injury is. So there is a chance that both are back quite quickly probably a bit worse for Phil 
uh, given he's not named and Jacob has been named. So, yeah, it's just a matter, matter of keeping an eye out there. So uh, with Joseph Suwali and also Raymond Fotella Mariner, so both foot Liz Frank injuries basically. So we've spoken in the past, but really just basically really hard to recover from because they don't get much blood circulation down there and that's a big part of obviously healing and recovery. So RFM, I mean, he's been gone most of the season and now he's been ruled out for the season. So that shows exactly how long it can take and how complicated the recovery could be. So especially for Swali, I mean, he's young. He's not going to play the rest of this year and it could take some time into the offseason for him to get over that. So probably not a bad thing. Gives, gives him some time to focus on his recovery and also his HSC and finishing um, high school. Then we've got a whole bunch of uh, concussions there. RTS failed his HIA. Kalen Ponga, a bit murky. Officially, he he didn't return, but uh, they say he may have passed and could have returned, but I'm not sure about that. David Klemmer um, also failed. Uh, and then, yeah, also Campbell Graham failed. Liam Knight, Delphi Nukin, they I mean, you know, we've spoken about it in the past. They're just going to get through protocols. And, you know, provided they pass all their protocols and the club is satisfied that there's no additional risk to playing them, and that, that could just be a, an actual club um, decision there. Um, they might just decide to sit him out for a week to make sure. And that's, you know, some we're seeing more and more clubs do that just for the sake of player welfare, which is not a bad thing. So, yeah, just keep an eye out for their progress through the HIA protocols. And, yeah, captain's run is huge for those, basically. If they're able to show up and train at the captain's run, it usually shows that they've made it through the rest of the uh, stages and that's like kind of like their final tick barring the um, official kind of independent neurologist signing off on their return to play. And otherwise, I mean, we've got Jerome Luai back this week. Nathan Cleary still not back. There's some chat that his, you know, he's still going strong, basically, in terms of his recovery. May not be back next week, but, yeah, he's he's on track, basically. So that'll put a bit of a conundrum for uh, those who sold Cleary and obviously, you know, uh, a bit on the fence about getting him back or not, given his price tag and, ongoing injury risks associated with his particular injury but yeah that's enough injury chat here let's move on to the team list Steven I like your hustle that's why it was so hard to cut congratulations the rest of you made the team except you you and you Okay, so more injury madness, more suspension madness and plenty of out-of-form players that we need to get out of our teams. Wilf, uh, kicking off with Eels Raiders on Thursday night. Uh, the Eels went large. The Raiders are injured. Are you anticipating a one-sided game? Yeah, I think it's hard to argue against it, even though the Eels also have a pretty big loss in Mitch Moses, who turns out uh, he wasn't just a passenger in origin. He actually had a broken back, <laughs> which is pretty full-on. Uh, the, the chat is obviously he he injured it really early and and soldiered on for seventy minutes in Origin and you know this talk of him being rested ended up coming out uh, that he had fractured his back but I don't know what a minor back fracture is but he seems like he should be back in the next week or two but yeah obviously with him missing it does blunt the eels a little bit but as we saw last week they could still get the points done they probably put on a fair few points in fact and. Gutherson, huge part of that. And whilst Moses is out, goal kicks, I think he's a huge shout for a vice-captain option here if you have him. And I think he's you know going to be a really good scorer. So if you had Gutherson, I think you probably want to hold, given the, the Raiders team m- missing some pretty big players themselves in Jack Whiten again. Obviously, no fullback with Xavier Savage also going down for the season. And they're still missing one of their leaders in Elliot Whitehead as well. So 
plenty of outs for the Raiders as well. So I think comfortable win for the Eels. I mean, are you interested in any in grabbing any of the Eels backs for the rest of the year? Well, that's you know interesting. You know, mentioning fullback Jordan Rapana, four hundred and forty four k, seventy nine, seems to have recaptured some of the form. I don't think he's ever going to get back to that um, you know blistering kind of mid seventies average that he had a few years ago. But you know, certainly he's on the low end of of mid price. Um, you know, he could be someone that you can work up from a Suwali up to or, or move one of your underperforming, uh, you know, guns or injured guns to, um, you know, this. he's certainly got job security and if he's going to have the fullback, um, fullback lockdown, you, you've got to consider that his base is at least decent. It just depends on whether you've got the faith in the Raiders for the run home because, you know, morale's not amazing there and they're starting to drop like flies. So, you know, that's probably not a good sign for Rapana. Is he a guy that you want to, you know, jump back on or interested in even? I don't think so. I just think, you know, as you said, the, the Raiders do have those question marks about them as a team. Sure, they're on a, you know, a good little run at the moment and building a bit of momentum, but I just think these outs are going to really put a dent in all of that and I just wonder if they're going to be able to really handle it. Um, Bailey Simonson, you know, floating there and abouts, I think, he may not be that many weeks away. Uh, it's just a big unknown there. So if you get Rapana in, you know, hoping he plays fullback and then he moves back to that right wing where once Whiten's back there, like, you know, all the ball goes left again. So I don't think I'd, yeah, it's too many question marks there. I mean, if you've had a few trades up your sleeve, which most of us don't face, <laughs> just got to face those facts there. But if you did have some spare trades, I, I, don't, I don't hate the move, but... I just, you know, the Eels are such a good defense as well. I just don't think it's going to be uh, a big payoff there. Uh, I mean, the only player you're really focusing on from the Raiders is obviously Harawir Nara. Like, what a game he had last week. And I'm spewing because, you know, two weeks ago, we thought he was on the verge of getting dropped because of how, how bad he was in defense and how much Sticky was kind of, you know, criticizing the missed tackles and everything like that. Comes out, uh, has an absolute blinder, and you just can't see him getting dropped after this. So I know quite a few people that traded him out as well. Um, some of them for Tohu Harris, which oh my god, speaking for punishing here. Um, on the other, uh, on the other side, on the edge, there a lot of people traded Ryan Madison out as well. He he tunned up. Um, interesting bench uh, this week for the Eels with Will Smith on there as a utility, as opposed to the four forwards that that, uh, you know, Arthur usually likes to run. Do you think that that's a bit more of a sign that Papali'i and Madison are more likely to both play 80? I, I, I don't know about that because I think um, Will Smith was there last week in the final team list and I guess that was kind of just as a cover for Reed Marnie if he didn't make it through. And at the end of the game, like, he did come off for an early shower, but, again, they had dominated so well by then. So who knows if the plan was to play Marnie for 80 regardless of whether Smith was there. But I still like we still saw Papali'i get that early shower, and you know just a couple of weeks back, Madison was the one who was very frustratingly getting those early showers. So whilst Maddo's got this huge game, and it could have been so much bigger because he had like two or three tries overturned, mm-hmm. or like he was held up at the last moment, or is insane just how unlucky he was. Uh, yeah, I just wonder if those minutes still uh, a bit of a question mark overall. So. I mean, with Papa Lee, you're not going to question it. You know, most of us have him, if not all of us. And he's just so, like, he's head and shoulders above everyone else at front row forward. So you're going to have him. It's just whether you think Matto is a good replacement, perhaps, if you 
you know, you've got Torhu Harris ready to go because he's gone for the season. Yeah, it's a tough one because, you know, there has been a little bit of chatter even of people that, that had Matto and moved him on when he was getting those kind of 50s in 60 minutes, whether he was attractive as a buyer, 550K. Look, I guess you could do worse. We'll go through Tohu uh, potential replacements a little bit later as well. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, they've named on, a, on you know, in TLT that they've gone with the utility on the bench, which, you know, almost always means the edge players, you know, play 80 or, or close to 80 as well. So, all right, so moving on from the Eels, Raiders, uh, Roosters, Knights, um, you mentioned before the Bear brought uh, Ponger in. A lot of people did, and he got the HIA. Apparently may have been able to return, but but by the time he was eligible to return, it was 30-0 and, and the game was done. So, you know, O'Brien smartly deciding to, uh, to keep his gun player uh, on the bench, but... Uh, James Tedesco returns for a lot of us owners, which is which is interesting, but plenty of super coach relevant players on both sides. Yeah, I mean, you kind of got to back the Roosters here as much as they haven't been that convincing. Like the Knights, I just I worry for the Knights when they don't have Mitch Pierce because as much as Mitch Pierce is past his prime and like he's still by by far the best halfback there, and the Knights do look a lot better when he's in the team. And I just think, yeah, when they don't have him, they 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 seriously lack direction. Uh, I think having said that, outside of Pierce, this is probably one of the stronger lineups that the Knights have fielded. Like getting Barnett back on that edge and Lockie fits nowhere in the team helps. Watson starting at lock. And, you know, I kind of I like that they're persevering with Dom Young as much as he's raw and he's, you know, lacking a few things there. But I just do think he act, he actually gives him a bit of you know, a bit of X factor outside of the likes of Ponga and, you know, those stars that they've got in the team. But, you know, the Roosters, Teddy is a huge in for them, obviously. And Joey back to the centers uh, sucks for my team, but, you know, it's good for the Roosters overall. Pretty big news Josh Morris getting dropped uh, for Billy Smith here. And I don't know if that's injury. I don't think it's injury because Josh Morris is named in the 20. So I don't know if this is a sign of. Uh, I mean, he is forty. He is forty-seven. So um, you know, he's probably due a rest. To be fair, um, Trent Robinson's obviously with the Origin guys, been really cautious, giving Teddy multiple rests and and the other guys rest as well. Obviously, uh, Takiaho missed last week just to help recover from a hamstring. So I would imagine that's just load management. It, I surely it can't be on form. I'd say so, but Billy Smith had a pretty good game. And I think he's the future. So I don't know if this is just Robert giving him a taste, as you say, while Josh gets a bit of a rest. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting to keep an eye on because Billy's still pretty reasonably priced, and we we'd hope he doesn't get too many games, so he does bump his price up too much for next year. <laughs> That's true. And just on Takiaho, um, I'm an owner. Um, very frustrated one. Um, he started the year with Lindsay Collins uh, starting at prop with both Isaac Liu and Jared Warrior Hargraves behind them in the pecking order. Do you think this is a reflection moving forward? I, I probably don't think that if you own Takiaho, you can afford to trade him out, particularly for the value that he is. But but does this make him not a play? He's just not going to get those minutes to make him worthwhile? Yeah, I'd say so. Like, I just think he's probably still going to float around that 40-minute mark and maybe if depending on injuries and other things like that, he might go up a little bit. But Bradley's getting big minutes and I think that hurts like all of the middle forwards. And just, I don't know, again, maybe the whole issue that like 
it came out that he actually hurt his hamstring or something a while back and he's been playing with it and he's been playing at 70% fitness. Like that just screams, you know, let's just stay away. Don't put him in your team because he's probably right for a re-aggravation anytime soon. So uh, I just think, yeah, park him on the bench, you know, break glass in case of emergency, you can plug him into your lineup, but yeah, don't don't put him in your 17 if you can avoid it, for sure. For sure. And if you've got Sam Walker, Tupanua, Angus Crichton, even Radley, you play him this week against the Knights, which even when they're on form have shown that they can ship a few points as well. So, yeah, load up on your roosters this week. Cowboys Storm, speaking of loading up on teams, the Storm, uh, I think even Penrith at their best with Cleary and Luai and, and all their troops back might actually struggle to match it with the Storm this year. It's hard to say because the Storm just have been so good for so long. And at the same time, they haven't really had any strong opposition. So I don't know if it's just, you know, a bit of bit of both those things. But having said that, the Storm are still getting pieces back. Like, this is not their strongest lineup, obviously, because they're missing Munster. They don't have Kafusi there. Still waiting, you know, for for the, the fullback situation to settle down, uh, no doubt. And, you know... Uh, obviously, they've they've had some injuries to deal with as well, and you know, let's let's not forget Harry Grant hasn't even played for a while, and you know that it's just they can get even better while they're putting on sixty plus on teams like that's without their full strength spine on the park, which is insane. It is insane, and just I mean the ability for Craig Bellamy to to be flexible with the changing rules, and you know it helps that he's got kind of mobile big men, whereas a lot of teams have have really faded when they don't have, you know, with your David Clemmers or, yeah, you know, your, your big kind of plotting middles um, that have really struggled with the new rules. It, it certainly helps to have your Christian Welshers and your Jesse Bromwiches that, that kind of can move laterally very well. But, I mean, that's more good luck than good management, but certainly a lot of the Storm players doing very well. Nico Hines has to be a play this week. You know, I don't think that, um, you know, Pappenhausen's going to be any particular threat to minutes. And, and if he does move into fullback or when he does move into fullback off the bench, Hines, you'd imagine slots in and Johns goes off um, just for seniority's sake there. So Nico Hines, uh, owners who held, I'm not, I can't remember if you're still a Nico owner, uh, Wilf, but you just hold him until he falls off a cliff, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. If you still have him, you hold him until he's not named in the starting lineup pretty much. But I, yeah, unfortunately, I, I doubled down on the fact that I was holding Pappenhausen. I sold him in round 17 for buy coverage, really crossing my fingers and toes and hoping that Paps was back round 18. Didn't happen. So, yeah, unfortunately, didn't have him last week. If I did, um, I, I would have probably cracked 1,500, 1,600. So, yeah, that's a bit of a downer. But, look, I'm not, I'm not sold that this is their final lineup. Like, Jerome Hughes went off with the calf issue. Is every chance he doesn't play. And, you know, Cooper Johnson's been named to start in the past and there's always been a late reshuffle. So I can see two scenarios here where Nico Hines moves into either the six or the seven and perhaps just slots right back into his proper fullback position. Because, I mean, even if he comes off the bench, like it seems so weird to reshuffle your spine mid-game to put him in at fullback. Like in the past when he's come off the bench, he's just played in that floating kind of middle role. Mm. You know, he has to actually make a lot more tackles and take a lot more contact, which, I mean, that doesn't sound like the type of game to ease him into if the idea is to ease him back from his injury. So to me, I just think, yeah, like we'll have to wait and see. But 
um, I'm trying not to let my <laughs> let my thoughts as a Pappenhausen owner cloud all of that, but that's just what I see happening potentially, just with the, the Hughes injury cloud and obviously Cooper Johns again not not really being trusted um, to to play that often by Bellamy. Yeah. But on the Cowboys side, so I mean, they seem like they're struggling a fair bit. The Hammer had his probably his best game at fullback. So Gee, he was good though, didn't he? Oh, he did. I just love watching him run though. Like he. He just doesn't look like he's putting any effort in, but he's just slowly getting further and further away from the chases. It's just so effortless, so good to watch. He is, and 98 there, you know, assuming Val is out for a few more weeks, um, you know, 386K, break-even of five. Obviously, he's got job security, just not necessarily at fullback. Um, lots of people at this time, you know, searching around desperately for pods, and at 2.9% owned, you could certainly put him in that category, but just not against Melbourne. This isn't the week, right? Yeah, it's just a if, – if- if they were playing the Broncos or the you know, the Raiders, even like those are the, some of the teams that have just re- really struggled against fullbacks. And like, if it was any of those teams, I think yeah, take a flyer and a hammer, but not against the Storm. It's just a unfortunate uh, timing for for him to have to come up against them. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be a pretty ugly game, unfortunately for Cowboys fans. I'd imagine so. Tamalolo, two good games on the bounce, seventy two last week. 5-12 with a break-even of 32. Do you trust the minutes? Uh, yes, maybe. I I don't know. I just he's, – he's still not the same Tamalolo, and I know I've been saying that for a while now. Well, you, you've been right every time you've said it, so. <laughs> yeah, I just think, you know, there's probably better options in the second row, and we can certainly go through them a little bit later in the pod. But, yeah, I just he's, – he's not high on my list of trade-ins. Like, he's certainly an option. As, as shown by a lot of people who brought him in the last couple of weeks because of buy coverage and whatnot. But, you know, in the run home, I just don't see any advantage that he offers over most of the other guys who are doing quite well at the moment in that position. Yes, that is very true, mate. Lots of Rabbitohs doing very well. They're up against the Warriors. Uh, Latrell Mitchell's back. A brand-new uh, wing combination with the source, Jackson Paulo, shunting Tane Milne uh, and his owner and, that you know, the owner's off. He's on the interchange. I guess they can take the money and run and be happy with it, right? I mean, yeah, if, if he's definitely out, um, you know, if he runs out you know, in the 14 and doesn't get a starting gig come final team list, then, yeah, I think you obviously can't play him and he's probably not worth keeping around. So uh, the only thing, you know, the, the question marks there, obviously he held his spot for a couple of weeks ahead of both of the wingers currently. So, not exactly sure what, what he's done other than, you know, be a little bit suspect defensively. He's always struggled defensively. So the fact that he kept his spot while struggling defensively ahead of these two, I, I don't know, like these two have both been available for selection. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's a weird kind of double change, isn't it? Um, obviously, Alex Johnson injured with the hammy. Um, Tane Milne didn't seem like he'd done that much different uh, to what he has in previous weeks. But then again, you know, he's, he's gone up 274K, so owners can't be complaining too much. Yeah, no, not at all. It's just probably the fact that it didn't factor a trade-in, I'd assume, uh, when they brought him in. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if like you said, if he's benched, I probably would burn the trade to get him away because no one likes a bench back um, in your centre wing there. But, yeah, I... I mean, for Alex Johnston owners, you know, the, the word is two to four weeks. Do you think he's a definite sell? 
Well, I think the problem with AJ, and it was the reason why I didn't get on him this year, is that he's always been hot and cold. And when he's hot, he's obviously hot. When he's cold, you know, it's 80 minutes for 17 points. And and while that Rabbitohs left edge has been completely lethal, he actually has had a couple of really, those real quiet games earlier in the year when it wasn't working for them. So I think if you if you're a believer in South's attack for the rest of the year, he's probably worth the hold. But... You know, at the same time, I couldn't blame you if, if you decided that he's going to come back and, and not necessarily, you know, be on that hot streak that he's been on because, you know, he's not a young bloke anymore. We've got a huge sample size of, of what his capabilities are and those and that suggests that he has to be scoring doubles or a hattie every single week to be super coach relevant. And if he's not doing that, well, you know, then you might be... Uh, might be losing points to to your opposition but it all comes down to trades you know there's a lot of people with less than five trades remaining um and because of my trade situation it's the reason why i held a tpj a tohu harris um you know i'd say owners would be in a similar position with that if if they can afford to move him on uh, with their trade situations then there's probably good options there but you know it's certainly not the worst thing if he stays on your bench for a few weeks if you can cover him I just think like he's worth so much money and you know money's not the issue at the moment obviously but he's a very easy swap to any premium center wing or even like a gun second rower and you know pocket 100k and I guess the thing is like he's obviously missing the Warriors this week the Dragons next week and if he's back in two weeks that's the Eels straight up uh, which obviously he did tear up previously because Blake Ferguson you know was an absolute turnstile and let Alex Johnston through multiple times, but you'd think that's sorted or fixed somewhat, maybe. If Fer goes back in the team, so who knows? <laughs> then there's uh, the Titans, so that would be an easy game. But then Panthers, Roosters, and then round 25 uh, would be the Dragons. So that, again, could be an easy game. But, you know, if he does come back in two weeks' time, that's, you know, three tough games and two easier ones. Like, I don't know if I'd want to roll them out every week, basically. So... Yeah, probably true. And and the other guy that, you know, I probably wouldn't be looking to, to purchase, even though it sounds crazy, uh, with Hooker being how it is, but Damien Cook, 44 on the weekend. He's, he's just not getting the business done. I think he's flashed twice this year, uh, and that was much earlier in the year. But he just seems to be a bit of a tackle bot at the moment and, and just isn't looking for those running opportunities. Yeah, and I just, you know, obviously we expected probably a bit of a dip over the origin period. But even before then, like, we just haven't seen very much from him in attack. And, you know, why does he need to when you can just throw the ball out back and let the, let that back line do all the work? So, yeah, I just think he's probably can get, been told to keep his game a bit simpler so he can stay fit and healthy and not burn himself out. And obviously over in the Warriors with Wade Egan out for the year, Tavunga uh, moves out of that middle rotation and Josh Curran comes back to start, which, you know, if anyone did hold uh, his uh, kind of an every week play, I think at the back end of year 17, if you did, you know, just given, I know that they played huge minutes with the injuries um, uh, over the weekend, but Adam Fanua Blake and Matt Lodge, they're both big minute front rowers. They'll continue to play big minutes regardless of injuries, I think. Do you have a preference for Noah Blake four eighty four k Lodge five thirty nine? If you you know had to choose one, yeah, that's really tough. Uh, I think I might actually go with Noah Blake, just because of the fact that I mean he's been named captain this week with um, Roger out, uh, so that to me kind of 
you know, points to him being maybe the priority, I guess. And and if, you know, he, someone needs to be on the field, they're more likely to keep him out there. The thing with Lodge, I mean, I guess, you know, he had a massive, massive game last week, like tackle bus galore, offloads galore, and obviously the minutes were there. Uh, but I just think, you know, I don't think that's something he can do week on, week off. Like he's not really been that consistent in the past, whereas for Neil Blake, we've seen him keep it up for, you know, two-thirds of a season and he's already missed a fair chunk of this year. So to me, I think that's what tips me over to, to Fanua Blake. But look, it's it's a bit of a coin toss, honestly. Uh, it, it, I couldn't blame anybody for picking Lodge over him, that's for sure. Well, if, you know, if this was a game of poker, mate, and I called you on the river and you turned over captain of the team and then I turned over son-in-law of the CEO, which hand wins? Look, that's a tough one. I, I don't <laughs> know because sometimes, um, you know, being the son of a major sponsor of a team might get oh, you Oh, sorry, over. it's a major sponsor, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 that, that's Lockie Fitz. Oh, right. of course, yeah. Yeah, NIB. I think he's he's the son-in-law of the recruitment manager, Lodge. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't remember what role uh, uh, they had at the Warriors. But, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, if we turned our cards over who wins in that seniority contest. But but it, both very good options. And for Noah Blake, by virtue of the fact that I think he's got a bit more of a consistent offload and, and does have that armband, um, yeah, certainly someone I'd like. But Lodge has been perfect for someone that, you know, for owners that had him at the Broncos and then managed to ride him through that round 17 transfer uh, over to the Warriors. So it's been very, very nice uh, for him there. But, mate, moving on, Seagulls, Tigers, Tommy Turbo, automatic captaincy choice for owners, you've got to imagine. The big question is, I think, for Saab owners is after the last couple of weeks is he's had, can you risk playing him? Tommy's back, so yeah, absolutely. It really is that simple, isn't it? Pretty much. Like the, it's just ridiculous the numbers that he's put up with Tommy there compared to when he's not there. So not even in the pitch. I think people can actively choose to play him in this matchup. And you know, I don't think Marmolo was that great defensively on the weekend. So I couldn't. I wouldn't like. There was multiple times where Osaka could have scored, and he did score once. And once um, there, there was a bomb try, and then there was the obstruction call. So, you know, if if the Seagulls get that right, there's a couple of there's a hat trick waiting for Saab potentially. So, yeah, I I think easy play if you wanted to. Yeah, Ruben Garrett, couple of decent weeks without being crazy from the fullback spot, but his and every week play with Tommy Turbo back. Dane Laurie continues to impress, and and I'm keeping him there as my fourth or fifth centre wing, depending on matchups. And I think uh, you know he had a bit of a mid season dip there, but just with that job security and the ability to uh, snag attacking stats. Um, the West Tigers are always going to be involved in shootouts given how poor their defence is. So I think he's as close to an every-week play outside of a, a Penrith or, or a Melbourne game as well. But Adam Dwayhe, mate, um, you know, a lot of smart people got on him this week. I forgot that he wasn't available in centre wing. I did have a plan to bring him in until I realised he was a 5'8 fullback. Um, is he the kind of guy that, you know, um, some people that held Luai uh, and, and want to get rid of him you know, because he hasn't been doing that well or or maybe Munster owners might want to move on? Yeah, that's an interesting one because I think Lula and Munster are both very different and we'll spend a bit more time digging into the 5-8th position later, but, like, I'm a very happy new Adam Dwayhe owner, uh, even though he was against – he tore up my own team and I watched him do it live. It was 
I was devastated because the Tigers scored, but then I was secretly cheering when I noticed that Dway threw the last pass or whatever. So it was a, it was an interesting time on the on the game this week. But yeah, look, I think he's shown at six he's a very good super coach option, and I got some numbers we can run through later. But uh, I think he's a you know it's now or never given the negative forty break even. I don't know if I'd do it for Luai because Luai is sitting at like three hundred ninety thousand. So you're gonna have to pay a lot of money to go up to Dway. And the has got the Broncos this week. So, yeah, I don't know if I'd do that. But uh, like Munster, I mean, he's got the week off. And, you know, if he's getting rested this week and there's a chance chance he might get rested down the track as well, then I can certainly see, like I wouldn't see it as a sideways trade necessarily, even though it's a bit of a luxury trade because you're not trading someone out who's actually injured. So, yeah, I don't. I don't hate the move because I am a big fan of Dwayne at Super uh, at at five eight for Supercoach, but yeah, I my reservations probably are more from you know the matchup for Luai and also from the actual um the the burning of a trade on a healthy player, yeah, which is fraught with danger as we've seen. Josh Josh Schuster is an every week play as well, and that's probably about it. Nofaluma did bounce back a little bit to form. Um, don't necessarily think he's a buy, but uh, may well have established himself as a hold moving forward. Panthers, Broncos, mate, with a couple of Panthers coming back, I do worry for your boys. Um, headlined by Jerome Luai, as you mentioned as well. Um, what's doing with this game? Uh, play all your Panthers, pretty much. <laughs> like, it is, yeah. Uh, we kind of said that last time, and the Broncos put up a surprising fight, and you know, it took some cleary magic to pull a, you know, pull a win for the Panthers right at the death, and that was at Suncorp last time and by virtue of a whole heap of random and somewhat fortuitous factors for the Broncos, they get to play this one at Suncorp as well. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm worried, definitely. Luai coming back is a big in for the Panthers. They haven't looked good uh, without you know their, their main halves in there. Uh, Tyron May probably had his better one of his better games at seven uh, this week. So you know maybe he's getting a bit of a chance to improve, but I think Luai is going to take charge. And I'm quite worried as a Broncos fan that Luai is going to, you know, really have a field day. Um, Spencer Lenu's annoyingly kind of haunting around the interchange there for owners who thought he might nuff out. Um, he's a bit of a, an AE nightmare at this point, just not getting the minutes as well. Um, Appy Coruscant, do you think Reed Marnie, given he went close to tunning up uh, on his return from injuries, kind of established himself as as the hooker to trade in uh, for the run home over Happy. I think if I had to pick pick between those two, yeah, I probably would do that. Uh, I think, you know, Appy, I just think the, the Panthers don't need to rely on him. I mean, he always steps up a little bit if Cleary or Luai or whatever is out. But, you know, long-term, once they're all back and fit, I just think Appy's going to take a back seat, back seat. He'll just do what he needs to do. And, you know, he might jag the odd attacking stat. But, yeah, they're going to rest him because he hasn't been in great um, health this year. He's obviously dealt with a few injuries along the way. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I'd rather trust uh, Marnie, who definitely has a, a serious, um, you know, a role in that uh, Eels pack and obviously great work rate as well. So, yeah, I definitely would agree. And, and I know you... We're very happy to jump on Marnie 
I was, yes, mate. I did. I did uh, give you a little bit of lip uh, after he looked like he was going up for a huge ton, but really, uh, really cooled off in that second half there and, and got a bit of an early rest, if I recall correctly. But yeah, look, Marnie. Certainly, the uncertainty of what's been going on at Hooker, obviously with Brayley, not necessarily falling off a cliff, but you know he's gone from a guy that you could rely on for consistent sixties to someone consistently scoring in the forties. So. Um, you know, not necessarily a trade-out given how bad Hooker is, but, you know, um, if you can run with Amani, you've certainly got a bit of an advantage there. One guy I am really interested in this matchup, though, mate, uh, someone I nearly brought in, nearly pulled the trigger on and probably should have, frankly, last week, Gatoni Staggs. He's actually got a surprisingly high break, even a 79 this week. Um, is he the kind of solution to a lot of super coaches center wing-wise? Yeah, look, it's an interesting one because uh, my concern last week was because I thought he was going to be quite ginger coming off that um, you know midweek training injury. But the reality is, is he's he's a bit of a gun, and when he gets opportunities, he'll he'll score, and he's definitely one of the few sources of attack for the Broncos. So, I mean, he's come off what a sixty-four and a fifty uh, in his two games so far, and I just can see him getting a bit better each week as he gets some match fitness and. Yeah, I, I think I couldn't blame anyone who wanted to take a punt on him. As as bad as the Broncos are, I mean, if they're going to score points, Stags is a good chance to be somewhere in the mix there. So, you know, he's obviously got low ownership and I, I imagine a lot of people will stay off him for, you know, all sorts of reasons. Not the least that he plays for the Broncos, but, you know, for Supercoach, we've seen that he can get it done regardless of how bad the Broncos were last year even. Yeah, for sure. Payne Haas obviously proven that he'll take all the minutes uh, he can handle there given you know the state of their middle rotation at the Broncos. Uh, Flegler I don't think particularly helps. I think he's a, he's a fairly low minute middle. Um, so Haas, you can just strap in for as many minutes as the game flow will dictate and, and he's an every week uh, starter. I'm just not sure if he's, he's an absolute must trade in, particularly with how well the likes of Fanua Blake and Lodge and, and Papa Lee are going, but, um, you know, certainly can't go wrong with him there. Um, speaking of going wrong, a lot of stuff going wrong for St. George, mate. They do welcome a few people back in their game against the Titans. They do, but they also lose a couple others, even though, you know, is Corey Norman really a loss is the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They do get the chance to see young gun Jaden Sullivan have another run. I thought, you know, from what we saw of him last year, there was a lot of promise there. So, I'll be watching very interest with you know a lot of interest in how he goes, but you know, the Titans aren't very good at the moment. So as much as this Saint George, like as much as this Dragons lineup just makes me kind of not not be inspired by the options they've got here, I then look at the Titans and I think you know this could be a pretty even game. <laughs> could end up a bit being a bit of a shootout because there's obviously a lot of points in both teams when the matchup is right. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a hard game to read, and you know the Titans obviously are debuting a, a rookie half with Jamal Fogarty out as well. So we'll get to see what Toby Sexton can do, and I just think uh, you know there could be a lot of pressure on him, you know, to start at halfback. Whilst the the Titans, they you know they've they've struggled lately, and I think at the same time, you know, they're still in the mix to finish and play finals. So. They're one win out, outside the eight, which is just, I think it just shows how bad the competition is down, the, down that side of the, 
ladder. It is. And, and look, the dragons are not in a dissimilar situation as well where, you know, if you talk to a dragon supporter, they're talking about, okay, well, it's time to play the young kids and this season's been a disaster, but they're still in with a shot as well. But I think we all know um, that it is a bit of a closed list of, of premiership contenders and neither of these teams are in it. Disappointing, though, for David Fafita owners, which is most people listening to the podcast, a lot of people will be seeing him. Uh, motivation, I, I know at the Broncos he was never a high base uh, stats player, but he seems to have taken some of that to extremes with these games in the Gold Coast. Yeah, I, it's hard to say because... He's kind of gone off the boil as well lately, and I don't know if that's just because he's been just out of sorts or maybe he went too hard at early in the season or I don't know what it is. But certainly, I mean, he he, he likes to get involved whenever he's near the try line, for starters, and I think we saw that again this week. But, yeah, look, I, I mean, the, the scores speak for themselves and the attacking opportunities there and the, the current rules suit him. Like. Uh, because he can get involved and run at tired defenders, and you know the fatigue is, you know, it, it, it's good for him when he can kind of pick and choose his moments, and he doesn't have to be, you know, going hard for the full eighty basically. Because when he does decide to inject himself into the game, he can bust about four or five tackles and run one run and maybe score a try. So, yeah, it's just uh, I think it's going to be frustrating to watch, and I think he's you know going to give you some games where you're like, well, he's not doing anything, and all of a sudden. 45 points later in one play, you're, you're happy again. So, yeah. I just, yeah, you can't sit him. You'll be in your team every week. Everyone will have him. I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's hard to justify speaking of consistency. Pretty much every other Titan, you know, you talk about Corey Thompson, blistering hot start to the year, but he's been inconsistent on his return. Brian Kelly looked fantastic for his 99 uh, last weekend, but, you know, you've been an owner. Uh, for parts of the year and you know how poor he can be when he's off and Alexander Brimson uh, the same so yeah really not a lot of uh, you know, pretty slim pickings um, over at the Titans super coach wise I do like um, sorry just with Corey uh, I think the part of the issue is he's come back on the right wing and I think this this week um, with Greg Mazu back I think I would assume Corey's going to move back to left wing Mazu going to the right and we might see a bit of that left side magic again with you know Fafita Kelly and Thompson linking up on that edge again. So, yeah, I wouldn't write off Corey Thompson at all. I think he could be actually be a pretty good trade-in this week, potentially. Oh, inter- uh, interesting as a trade-in. Obviously, I was thinking if, if you've got him, you play him against the Dragons this week. But with trading, he's never been particularly highly owned, so it's a pod move. Yeah, well, I think the week that people started jumping on, he got hurt. <laughs> so a lot of people would have been burnt by that, I reckon, and I, I imagine a lot of people would not have forgiven him for that. But he gets to run at that, um, you know, second game rookie and Matt Fear guy, who you know had a pretty good first game, and I just you know then he got hurt. But I, I think there could be some points there for that left edge again. So yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I can't pick who's going to win this one. I, I think you'd have to say the Dragons probably, but you know it is the Titans home field. It might be a hard watch, let's put it that way. Um, speaking of a hard watch, mate, my Bulldogs, hey, did you hear that they signed another overpriced edge back rower again? Are you shocked? Well, I, I thought he was on fair money at the Broncos, but he's getting overs at, at your mob. <laughs> well, he's an edge back rower, whether it's a Joe Stimson or a, 
I mean, God, you could go down the laundry list of, uh, you know, edge back rowers that Canterbury have brought in recent times. Hasn't really worked out for them. So, you know, I like TPJ and I'm certainly, I'm an owner this year. Not going to the Bulldogs this year, might end up elsewhere. But, yeah, shaking my head a little bit. Look, I think he'll still be good for you guys because he's he'll, he'll generate points one way or another. And, you know, it, if it means Corey Waddell and Josh Jackson aren't in, on your edges anymore and you could run out potentially next year with Fitella Mariner and Panga on the edges, I think that's not a bad upgrade. Yeah, he'll also generate carryover points uh, <laughs> with the match review committee as well. Look, fair, fair, but, you know, that's what you get. <laughs> that's what you get when you get Panga in your team. So it'll be good watching whenever he's playing. For sure. Um, Jaden Ockenbaugh, a positive return uh, from a long injury layoff. You know, he's really interesting because he flashed so strongly as as a rookie, one of the better cash cows, you know, mid-season cash cows in recent memory. Um, But I just don't think there's enough points in this Bulldogs attack. You know, you've really got to look over at the Sharks for for super coach relevant players in this matchup. You'd think so, but I guess it's kind of hard, like, I feel like the Sharks are struggling struggling a little bit without the SJ Moylan halves combination. That I feel like that's when their attack has looked the most fluid so far. And I'm not saying Trindle's a bad player or anything like that, but it just looks like SJ and Trindle don't know how to work together. Yeah, I don't think Trindle's a very good player. Well, I don't want to rough I don't want to be too rough on, on the kid. He's still young and you know, he's got potential, I think. But uh, right now, like the best halves pairing for from what we've seen this year, anyway, has been that SJ Moreland pairing. Mm-hmm. And without that, I just, you know, I'll, I had high hopes for the Sharks, and and you know they had a really friendly draw, and that's what sucked me into getting Siona Katoa, who I've uh, promptly benched and not played since then. But I'm tempted to roll them out against the Bulldogs. Yeah, well, the bull. I mean, the Bulldogs are losing; they're not getting thrashed uh, so much you know, in the last few weeks is, is what might be anticipated. But but what is thrashed in this uh, in this year of blowouts, you know? 20 points used to be a thrashing and now it's a reasonably close game. But, but one thing, uh, you know, they've always been able to keep it reasonably tight defensively with, you know, some glaring exceptions to Bulldogs. I'm just not sure, uh, you know, those games were against your Melbournes and your Roosters and, and stuff like that. I think Canterbury might be able might be able to hold out the, the slightly blunted Cronulla attacks. I'm not sure how many points would necessarily be in there. I'd definitely bench uh, uh, Katoa if you've got better options in the centre wing. Um, I'm a Talakai owner. He's he's a pot at 3.8% owned, which is funny because I seem to – I must know just about every one of his owners, um, you know, given how vocal they've been and, and how poor he is. Um, is he a priority cellmate? He's, he's already lost 208k on the year. Got twenty two, even though he started on the weekend. Yeah, I don't. I mean, has there been a bigger difference from last year Talakai to this year Talakai than what we've seen? Like he was an absolute beast last year, like just killing people, <laughs> just yeah. knocking them off, just, off their feet every time he ran the ball, and just we saw a flash of that in the first game back, and then nothing since then. Like he's just he's not doing anything, and I don't know if like surely. He's not playing injured if he keeps getting named to start, but yeah, it's just it's a it's a really really weird one for me. But yeah, I think 
pretty safe to move him on, that's for sure. Yeah, he's got that Tamalolo issue where it's not so much that he's taking less runs, he's running. It's just you, with Tamalolo and with Talakai, you expect tackle busts and they're just not happening and, and it's not particularly apparent why. But but he was my sneaky kind of fifth centre wing option with the duels there. He was impressive in his first game back from injury and, and ever since then I've I don't even think he's topped 40. So, yeah, lost me a lot of money and, and he's going to cost me the two trades when I move him on this week. And that's really about it uh, out of the Bulldogs and the Sharks, Wilf, which brings our team list uh, to an end, uh, but plenty to talk about. But first, a quick break. Hey, fellas. We are in the thick of winter and the storms are brewing. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialise in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. Manscaped are here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Manscaped Performance Package is the best buy of 2021. The Performance Package comes with a new improved Lawnmower 3.0, which is the best trimmer on the market, best hygiene tool for the modern man. You get the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, you get the performance boxer briefs and a travel bag. The bundle also comes with a crop preserver ball deodorant and a crop reviver ball toner. If you want to look good, that's upstairs and downstairs. You want to smell good, you want to feel good, you may as well use the best tools for the job. Don't get cold feet this winter. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CHAMPIONS at manscaped.com. There's also a ton of other amazing men's hygiene products on the website. But look, don't take my word for it. Give it a go. Jump on the website, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code CHAMPIONS. Again, that's 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com using the code CHAMPIONS. Thank you again to Manscaped for making our winter wieners look so good. If you are what you say you are, a superstar, then have no fear, the camera's here. All right, so another high-scoring round and a couple of big, big scores up the top. Uh, capped off by Nico Hines with 166. So uh, that's congratulations to Jeff Brown at GB21, who picked Hines as the top scorer. He only predicted 122, so uh, that's great for nailing the top scorer. But look, you need to have a bit more faith in Hines. He did better, a fair bit better than what you've predicted. Now, because we um, skipped last week, we had a bit of a week off on the swish there. So I wanted to, um, I guess, also award... Uh, a bit of a prize to our second highest pick, and that was F- at FPL underscore Charge. who picked Adam Dwayhe with 148, uh, and w- he was the second highest score of the round, so I thought that deserved a bit of a prize. Dwayhe uh, ended up scoring 154, so it was a much closer pick, and it was a really good one. So well, congrats to both of you. You know, Slide into our DMs, and we'll hook you up with, you, with your Swish codes for you to use on heyswish.com. But, uh, look, last week you picked Dan Laurie for 128 and he promptly delivered 100 points. So, well done to you. It was a great pick. And I, um, you know, had a lot of faith in Dave Fafita. I went for 130. He ended up on 68. I do think he was a bit hard done by by that very last play, which honestly shouldn't have been called back and that would have been an extra line break and a try. So, he would have come pretty close to that 100 mark, but I think you probably still would have pipped me at the post regardless. Honestly, what kind of Grinch denies that try after the siren? I know, right? I just couldn't believe like they'd celebrated and, oh, you know, it's not like it was going to have an impact on the outcome. 
But yes, all us David Feeder owners were just cursing, cursing the bunker when that happened. Little did I know that was about as good as it was going to get for my super coach team that weekend. <laughs> but there we go. So uh, given that I won uh, the week, mate, I'll let you tee off first. Pretty obvious where I think you're going to go. Yeah, look, um, I'm just going to play this one on the straight bat. Uh, Tommy Turbo, you know, fresh off his week off, fresh off being the Wally Lewis medal winner for this year's Origin Series. Let's see him come back to Supercoach form with 143. That might be on the low side, mate, um, but I'm going to stick with the tried and true fullback against the Broncos uh, method, and I'm going to go Dylan Edwards for a sneaky 138. That might be a career high score for little Dylan there. So, you know, putting a lot of faith in the the trend of fullbacks going large against the Broncos, but I can't blame you on that one. Yeah, I mean, look, Edwards has been more of a consistent player than a guy with a huge ceiling. But, look, I think there's every chance, uh, you know, the Panthers with a couple of troops back uh, fresh and ready to go um, do put a, a score up on the Broncos. So, yeah, back in Edwards. It's the perfect week for him to get his career-high Supercoach scores. So, yeah, not a bad shout at all. Uh, as always, got to thank Swish for sponsoring the segment. Uh, they are changing the way athletes interact with fans. Check them out at, at Swish, S-W-Y-S-H, and all the socials or, or on their website at heyswish.com. Just jump on the website. You can pick your favorite athlete. It doesn't have to be a rugby league player. It could be any sport. And you basically can send through your instructions for the video and, you know, they, those instructions could be a happy birthday message. They could be trash talking your super coach um, head to head uh, opponent for last week. Or you, it could just be just a, a quick shout out to, you know, perk up someone's spirits. But send those instructions through and Swish takes care of the rest. Um, all, all the money that you pay, uh, 20%, at least 20%, rather, um, go to children's charities and. You know, the, the portion that goes to the players, a lot of them end up donating that to charity as well. So that's why we do say at least 20%. But yeah, heyswish.com, check it out. It's really good fun. And um, yeah, so that's our Swish Supercoach Star Predictions of the Week. Let's start looking at some of this week's pressing issue. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. So this week, mate, more important than ever, um, you know, throughout the year, you want to start looking at ownership percentages as you're, you're bringing pods in, you know, whether you're a head-to-head player or an overall player, um, you're getting to your final team, but you also want to have that opportunity when you do look at your opponent come finals time um, or, your, you know, your guys in your overall rankings around you, um, having someone that's on the lower side of ownership but you think is just as good an option as the, the higher percentage guys, um, you know, can be worth their weight in gold. So we've got a bit of a breakdown positionally on some of the guys you want to target and maybe talking about them relative to how attractive they are, you know, as a final side or, or you know, someone for the run home, mate. Do you want to kind of kick us off with a bit of discussion around the front row? Yeah, so I guess the, the reason I started going to this breakdown was it actually was spawned from one of the questions I got from the late edition last week, asking me to kind of look at the top 17 guys that you want to get in your team or like your top 20 or, you know, kind of with an aim of looking at your final positions. But it, as I looked into it, I was thinking, you know, where where's the opportunity here? Um, you know, there are certain players in every position that we think are, you know, not that we like using the word must have, but 
you could you could argue that you would be putting yourself as a at a massive disadvantage by not having them. So starting at, at starting off at front row forward, I mean Isaiah Papali, like there's no arguments about it. 83 average for the season. He's sitting on a three-man average of about 88, five-man average of 79, but he is really highly owned. You know, outside of that, like it's a pretty open field afterwards. You know, Pangai, who's been suspended for a couple of rounds now, next best average at 67, but you know he's potentially moving clubs, as you alluded to before. Like if he does end up going to the Panthers, despite all that's been going on, like he's going to be on the bench, so he becomes an immediate sold, uh, immediate sell there. He's at sitting about 13% ownership, so plenty have sold him already. But after that, you know, you you, you pointed out Haas being you know, almost a weekly play now. Um, I, I'd argue he probably is a weekly play. He's sitting at the third best average of around 65, 66, but three-round average of 79, and his ownership's already crept up to 19%, and you'd think it's going to go up and up with, like, the likes of Toru Harris being able to be traded out this week. But, you know, you gave um, you, you gave a lot of attention to Matt Lodge and Adam Fanor Blake, both sitting on three on averages of 82 and 71, respectively, also at 6% and 11% ownership, respectively. So those are both really good options, I think, that if you have, you know, Isaiah Papali'i and either a Haas or a Lodge or Fanua Blake, you probably don't need to worry about any other front row forwards outside of, you know, just getting some cover, basically, in case there's an injury or suspension. Um, you know, there's a couple of options that are a bit more from left field. There's Mo Fotoeka from the Titans. He's sitting with a 77 five-round average, but he actually had three of those big scores in those five rounds coming off the bench. And um, surprisingly, the next best three-round average in the game was actually Aiden Tolman. God. I think we could just leave that one there and move on, right? Yeah, exactly. Look, you know, we did spend a bit of time talking about Lodge and Fanua Blake. I am surprised to see that Fanua Blake almost double the ownership uh, both still kind of in pod range. Um, I would suggest just with your front row, given that relative to second row, the average scores are much lower, that if you if you do have Papali'i and, and uh, Pangai Jr., to have one of them in your front row, one in your second row, just for that late season flexibility when you're out of trades, and again, you know, almost all of us will be, um, to be able to move them up and down. You know, fingers crossed uh, TPJ either stays at the Broncos or goes somewhere that he can start. Um, you know, I think Kevy's said that he's staying and going about six different times in recent weeks, so who the hell knows. But but if you are planning on keeping both of them, just for that extra bit of flexibility to move up, move down to account for injuries is about all I'd say because I, I do think it's self-explanatory, mate. Papali, you know, is, a, is as close to a must-own as there is in the game, certainly at the position. Um, Haas's, Haas's um, you know, you're an owner, I'm not, but, you know, 66 average has certainly come alive. And then you've got your other options that you're know, on that fringe there. As long as you kind of have three of those, I think you're set. Yep, totally agree. So moving on to the second row, and this is where things do open up a little, you know, for weeks we said, Dev Fafita, Angus Crichton, Torhu Harris. So with obviously Torhu's ACL, you know, I think it's still agreed between the first two. Dev Fafita, 90 average. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Angus Crichton, 75 average. You know, 72 three-round average, 78 five-round average. I just can't see anyone not having either of these two. And if you don't, then I would prioritize getting them in ASAP. But then that third spot becomes really open with Torhu injured now. You know, the likes of Cam Murray, we talked about him last week. Ryan Madison, we touched on him before. Nathan Brown's been doing really well as well. 
um, you know, one of the back rowers that we haven't really talked about as much, but that's because he's had the shadow of Josh Schuster and Curtis Sirinan uh, and Carl Lawton for a while um, hanging over his head, but that's Homole Olokoatu, who is actually flying, um, and I think he can only get better once he has Daly Cherry Evans back beside him. Um, so he's a really intriguing pod option for me. Then, you know, there's the hectic cheese. Brandon Smith is just, you know, he's got an average of like 80 for basically the last couple of rounds. And, you know, he's available in the back row of obviously also at hooker, just flying. And I think he will continue playing really well, even when he goes back to a job share with Harry Grant. And then Harry Wiranara, Lolo, Billy Amakikau came alive last week. Victor Radley's got back-to-back scores basically in base of 75 to 79, somewhere around there. Lucy Leilua scored the try, and he's got a couple of easy matchups coming. And Tyson Frizzell is getting a bit of love, even though he had a bit of a slow first game back. But against the Storm, can't fault anyone for having a, a lower score against them. And the Broncos are on the horizon soon for the for Frizz, and he can certainly cross for the, uh, for a try or two against them. So there's just so many numbers here. Like any of them stand out to you? Uh, not really. And and uh, it's really interesting that that's a comprehensive breakdown, Wilf, but a bloke that you haven't touched on yet, 65 average is, is Mitch Barnett, you know, um, named on the edge as well, which is where he did all his damage earlier in the year. You know, he's not going to goal kick, but, um, you know, you think that if he has that 80-minute roll on the edge that, that he can kind of average in those mid-60s again, which would put him you know, pretty high up on that list that you just read out there. So 14, 14% owned and, and that's down from what it was at the start of the year. I'm not, not necessarily advocating him as a as a trade-in, but certainly he was, you know, someone that a lot of owners had earmarked that you really needed to move him on before he, he got out. But I think now uh, if you own Tohu and Barnett, uh, Tohu's not an immediate sell right now because you can kind of slot Barnett back into your 17 while you work out, you know, what your best options are. Um, but in terms of uh, in terms of the guys that you listed through, I think Hamali Olakuatu is obviously a pod with his ownership. He's, he's a young bloke, you know, so I don't think, you know, fatigue's going to hit him quite the same way as, as an old rough head like a Nathan Brown uh, would do there. So it just depends, you know, with teams, when they do well, they do so, so well. So you really need to back a horse. You know, if if you're going to back Manly, um, you know, you're your Saab owners, your Garrick owners, and obviously your Turbo owners, then it just makes sense to double down uh, and choose a pod like him. Um, then if you're looking at CHN as, a, as an alternative, well, are Canberra going to be putting the same points on the board? I think you and I are both pretty sceptical of that given you know, the, the state of that dressing room and the state of the injuries um, at the moment. So, you know, they're the kind of tiebreakers in addition to ownership that I'm going to be looking for as I kind of spend my final four trades for the year. So I guess to run on that point there, so you're really looking at the guys like Cam Murray, Ryan Madison, slash Nathan Brown, Homole, as you said, and, you know, Brandon Smith, and probably maybe even looking at Kikau, even though he's been very frustrating for a long time, but probably avoiding the likes of CHN, Lolo, maybe even Lucy. You know, Frizz I'm a little bit on the fence on because I don't think the Knights have really shown a you know the ability to rack up scores so far this year, but they've also not had Ponga for a lot of it and Pierce for a lot of it. And you know, Frizzell was averaging 68 
whilst the Knights have, were not that good, basically. So. And playing as well as he ever has. So, yeah, earlier on in that year. So I think he is an option. It's just whether, you know, gone are the days with, with the way the NRL is being played now. You know, it used to be all about base stats and you know that's why I started with Josh Jackson this year for example thinking that you know that was a solid base but it's really about those attacking stats you know kick out fits the bill in every way but minutes you know you've got a current New South Wales rep you know on the bench there waiting to take minutes off him there so whereas your other blokes are more your 80 minute players or you know with Radley he's a high um, minute player in the middle there so look that's you really got to chase chase the ceiling I think that's the motto for the year and uh, someone like a Frizzell I think you know does love to sniff out a try and certainly loves tackle bust yeah it's it's a tough one I don't think there's a there's a one single right answer I think you've just got to do your own research and have a have a look at it I think all of those options are viable but uh, I think you, you raised a great point yeah going for the highest scoring offenses seems to be the way to go Sure. Now, um, you know, keeping it moving, let's look at the hooker positions. So, right now, the actually top average is Reed Marnie, um, your boy, your new <laughs> shiny right. toy there. My one week old boy. That's right. <laughs> so 73 average, 76 three round average, obviously a big gap in those three rounds with the injury there, and a 64 five round average, 30% ownership. And I think, you know, I'd imagine that a lot of these owners, you know, some of them may not be active. Um, you know, they might have given up. A while back when he was still playing, but yeah, I can see a lot of people probably look, probably looking to bring him back in now. Uh, you know, the next highest average is Harry Grant, who's obviously still not back. Hopefully, round twenty, some chat maybe round twenty-one, but you know, even when he's played limited minutes, he's averaging seventy-two just because he's an attacking freak and his game is perfectly suited to Super Coach. And yeah, if he gets those minutes there, he's just look out basically. Then the third highest averaging. Hooker is the other Storm Hooker, which is obviously the Cheese, who uh, three round average of 82, five round of 80. But I was shocked. I had no idea he had, he was sitting at 37% ownership. Like that is incredibly high from what I, you know, I just didn't see it, basically. Well, it just, it, it's been, you know, defying that common wisdom with Supercoach. You know, congrats to the tens of thousands of owners that got on him. But, you know, with Harry Grant's injury situation with origin and buyers and all that kind of stuff, he just never felt like, you know, the right there was a right week to trade him in. But, but people obviously did take the punt. And, you know, just for consistency's sake, given how much time uh, Marnie and Grant have missed, he's been the best hooker this year, closely followed by, this is a big surprise to me, Ben Hunt with a 69 average. Yeah, exactly, and a three-round average of 90. But it's worth noting, obviously, you know, he's missing a few of his teammates lately due to suspensions. And in his first game without him, he only scored 47. So I do find it a little bit hard to trust Hunt now until they get the majority of all of those players, you know, having served their suspension. But even then, I think, like, Paul Vaughan's probably a bigger loss than it might feel like because he did have that ability to find an offload. And, you know, he, he still... You know, he, he wasn't as good as 2017, but he still had the ability to find his front and, you know, get a quick play to ball and, and you know, Hunt loved to play off that momentum there. So I think that probably does hurt him a little. And some of his attacking stats, in fact, came off like Vaughn offloads and stuff like that. So for me, I think I've got to stay away from Hunt as much as, you know, he has looked like fantastic and obviously huge fan of what he did in Game 3 as well for Queensland. And just rounding out the hooker chat, um, you know, two Newcastle 
players at the position that for various reasons have been kind of, you know, popular trade-out considerations in recent weeks. You know, Jaden Braley, three-round three average of only 41. We mentioned that earlier in the podcast. But Connor Watson now, if Lockie Fitzgibbon, you know, keeps, you know, stays in his rightful place, which is, you know, on the reserves bench, uh, starting hook, uh, starting sorry, 13, um, you know, which is where he's averaging the 60s and 70s. Um, he's certainly not a trade-out, but he's a guy that you can play every week, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that because I, I agree with you, but then I find myself looking at my 17 and it's not actually in my team right now. And it was it's funny because I actually had a 50-50 call between – sorry, not a 50-50. I had a three-way tie for who I was going to trade out to Adam Dwayhe last week, and it was between Connor Watson, Mitch Barnett, and Corey Harawirinara, and guess who I traded out? Harawirinara. <laughs> That's right. So I, I went for the, oh, you know, he might get dropped soon because of blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, then he had his best game of the year and, you know, put himself in a place where he would no way be dropped. And um, But having said that, look, Barnett, Watson, both in much better positions from where they were a week ago, and I'm pretty happy that I've still got both of them. And, yeah, I think you're right. Like when he's getting 50 to 55, even 60 minutes in the middle – Watson's got a great work rate. His game is very super coach friendly. And with the Knights draw, like two games at the Broncos, like if Water is playing 60 minutes against the Broncos, he's going to he's gonna find some attack in there. So, yeah, quite happy to have him. I mean, I think I can't remember which round it was that you and Bear both traded Ponga in. It was like around six or something like that. But even, you know, remembering the podcast chat back then, you were both talking up how amazing the Knights' run home was. Um, we're coming into that zone pretty much after this week. So, um, you know, Watson's the kind of guy with his super coach friendly game, as you mentioned, where he could benefit. I guess the concern is around Braley. I am an owner. Is he the kind of guy that you keep a, a trade up your sleeve for when, Hunt re- uh, when Harry Grant returns? Yeah, look, it's certainly on the cards there. And I think if he's back around 21, you know, are you burning one of your last few trades in round 21 on a healthy player to, you know, a, a, what what would appeal, what would appear to be a pretty big upgrade? Or do you just, you know, crush your fingers and hope Braley with his easy, you know, last few games, he can find some attack like he did in the first opening, you know, the opening six, seven rounds where he actually averaged, you know, in the 80s or thereabouts for a while. So I guess that's where I'm kind of torn on it. Like if the Broncos can leak a bunch of tries up the middle like Braley's going to be the mix there for sure I mean you hit the nail on the head trading out healthy players you know most people are rocking you know seven trades or less at this point and we've just seen a good five or six solidly owned super coach relevant players go down last week and we're going to see that only increases you know fatigue and, and a very long grueling season you know, more and more players start to drop. So, yeah, it's it's really about, you know, maintaining healthy bodies and, and saving your trades for the, the Toe Harrises of the world that, you know, cost a, a squillion, but you can't, you know, are on your bench and out for the year. So Braley's probably a hold for me in my situation. But speaking of injured guns that, that people are holding some cash over for, Nathan Cleary, I mean, I mean the guy's something like 40 points ahead. Uh, of his nearest rival in Jerome Hughes uh, for an average mate. Um, you want to talk us through your thoughts on the halfback position? Yeah, and it, it's funny because obviously we, we've talked about Cleary and all of that, and I had a good chat with uh, NRL Physio just um, you know on the last late mail edition because we it was the post-origin chat, but we also spent a bit of time talking about Cleary. But 
you know, he was of the opinion that the risk is there. Like he he didn't think he was worth trading in unless you had a trade to possibly trade him back out again. So to me, I was like, wow, like that's quite a an eye opener there. But then I looked at the numbers again, and I'm like, 115 average for the season, three round average of 128, five round average of 143. Like, how do you not get that guy in as soon as he's named and fit to play? Like, it's just, yeah, to me, it's just mind-boggling. And I was almost swayed to be like, do I just pass on Cleary? Like, is he? he's probably not He's not back this week, obviously. He's probably not back next week either. And and, and he's $1.1 million to bring back in. I mean, it, it, it's, it's somehow even less about the trades with Cleary and, and more about how can you keep you know, the best part of 700 grand just sitting in your bank in the hope that he returns, you know, to form. I mean, that's that's a huge issue, surely. Well, that's it. I mean, even if he comes back and he gives you 80% of his output, right, if it's 80% of his five-round average, you're still laughing. Like, that's still 30 points ahead of Jerome Hughes and what he's been able to do at his best. So it's, a, it's an incredible number that he's just been dishing out. But, yeah, look, that's a conundrum I'm going to have to – postpone and just I'll, I'll try not to think about it until he's actually going to be named on the team list and then I'll panic and see how I'll probably can't bring him back in but yeah that's that's a problem for future me but outside of Cleary and, and Jerome Hughes obviously is a, a premium option as well um, a lot of people like myself holding Sam Walker um, but are there any other trading uh, options at, at the position it's a pretty short position now, but you've got to look at Daily Cherry Evans because of the fact that you know, he's got a three-round average of 117, five-round average of 86, and he's got a season average of 67. But you know the the most recent scores: 148, 85, 119, just 6.5% ownership. And I just think like he's just going to get better as the season goes. And we know the Seagulls have a pretty friendly draw to finish the year, so. He's a viable option for sure if you want to change up things. Maybe you resign yourself to not being able to get Cleary, so you just get DCE and hope he can come close to Cleary for the rest of the year. But after that, like it's Ben Hunt, <laughs> and he probably is a better trade-in hooker. And then with Mitch Moses out injured, like even to Moses, like there's a massive drop there. So, yeah, halfback's pretty gross outside of those few names there. Yeah, and it's really top-heavy at 5'8 as well, isn't it? You know, Cody Walker, the... The highest owned at forty one percent, and and obviously you know not being selected for Origin made him premium super coach option. But months are not named this week, but obviously for the run home he'll be free. Dway he you've mentioned, you know he's going like gangbusters at the position. What's your kind of view moving forward? Obviously Josh Schuster as well as a young gun that's that's kind of sticking around and doing really well. I think like we talked about like having two five eights. So if Cody Walker's one of them, and then having a backup. That is like a monster or Duehi or even Schuster. Having one of those guys is probably the best way to approach it. You know, Duehi six seventy six point three average for the season, but if you just look at his games at five eighth, he's actually averaged eighty four from nine games. So to me, he's a really good backup to Cody Walker. And you know, looking at his last three scores, actually at five eighth, he scored obviously last week's one hundred fifty four. Then back in round nine, 141 and 83 the round before that. So sitting at 3.8% ownership, I think he's a bit more highly owned up the top. But, you know, negative 40 break even, like if you're going to get on, it's this week. So I think he's a he's a really good buy. Even if you have to plug him in at fullback for a week and then swap him up because he's got that dual position there, 
that, that's another option, I suppose, if you've got that availability. Uh, you know, Monster, you know, a lot of people have said he's been really disappointing, but 73.5 season average, uh, three-round average of 88, five-round average of 79. So the the big issue with Munster, obviously, being rested this week and a real chance to be rested in round 25, as always, almost every year seems to be one of those resting candidates. But, you know, outside of that, I think it's pretty slim pickings. And the only one I will, you know, point to is Jerome Luai, like, Sitting at three hundred sixty thousand, and back this week against the Broncos with no Cleary, that scares me. Like I think he has the ability to go one hundred and twenty plus quite easily, and he's so cheap right now. But he was healthy. I mean, obviously started the season like gangbusters, which is what propelled him into Origin consideration. But really, even in the lead up to Origin one, much less after he had started to drop off the Super Coach map as well, while he was fit and with good matchups. Even I mean, can you trust him for the run home? That's yeah, you know that's that's a massive question for sure, and I think it just comes down to whether you think, um, you know, did he kind of drop out of things because Cleary is just hogging the ball and doing everything and doing his best to earn all the daily end points, or do you think the the Panthers is going to focus on you know getting into the best rhythm and playing the best footy for the end of season? You know, I don't have the answer to that one, and I tend to think you know. Given the way you know the Panthers' performance have dropped off a cliff when Cleary and Luai are both out, Cleary might be a, a candidate for around twenty-five rest. But if that is the case, then I'm sure Luai would play just you know because you don't want to you know suffer a, a, that significant a, a performance drop off in the lead up to the finals. But look, pretty much covered five eighth. As I said, it's a top heavy position. I guess no more so than the next position made at fullback. It, it's Turbo and the rest, but. Certainly, there's probably five or six players that on their day could can touch 200. Yeah, certainly. And look, just to really quickly recap the numbers. So Turbo, 129 average for the season, 131 three-round average, 134 five-round average. Like, there's nothing else you really need to say about that, basically. Um, you know, Ryan Pappenhausen, he still has 102 season average overall. But if you look at his games, he's only played six. Only four of them, he had 80 minutes in them and scored 124, 73, 197, 113. So his average from those four 80-minute games, 127. Then he had his 80 in just 65 minutes against the Roosters, and that's when he hurt his shoulder. Then he had a couple of weeks off, and then obviously 23 in like the first 10 minutes, and then knocked out for most of the season. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've had some people say, look, perhaps might not kick when he comes back. I mean, he was kicking at almost 83% accuracy, Hines, whilst he's been good lately, he's only been really at 78%. So, you know, the thing with Pappenhausen is I think we've kind of forgotten how good he actually was over those first five rounds. Oh, absolutely. He was just blistering. He was, you know, I mean, he's a different player to Turbo, obviously, but he's just as exciting to watch and, you know, absolutely like Quicksilver against those those tired Fords. And I think if all things being equal and, and money wasn't an object, Turbo and Paps would be most people's uh, thoughts to run home. It's just a matter of issues with health um, and issues with price with Pappenhausen, isn't it? Yeah, and obviously the risk of concussion is going to be there for the rest of the season, and that's the, the big risk there. Similarly to maybe like Cleary, like do you only gamble on Paps if you have a trade to move him on if he gets, gets knocked out again, basically? And, you know, obviously huge break even at the moment, risk that he's off the bench. 
I mean, if he's not off the bench and he's straight in at fullback, do you take the punt on him or do you just let him play a week first? <sighs> yeah, look, it's just so hard. I mean, I've brought people in a week too early um, this year so far and it's always tended to, unfortunately, uh, to backfire on me. But at the same time, you know, it's probably not the worst thing for people to get one week of a look at him. Um, his break-even's 200 anyway and at 815K, I think... You know, I do think it's a little bit of a myth, and I'll try and keep a quick this little uh, segue. But but people talk about how money is not an object this year, but it's just like a house, right? It doesn't matter where what type of market you sell your house in. If you're going to buy in the same market, you know, if it, if the market's low, you're selling low, you're buying low. If the market's high, you're selling high, you're buying high. So so it does kind of matter if you're you know if Pappenhausen's 815k and you want to wait a week to see if he drops 100k. Uh, and becomes a lot more affordable because the people that you're going to be moving on are significantly less than that. Whether that's a Teddy or you know uh, someone like that, it's you know money still does have a role to play because it's all relative, right? Yeah, look, I think it does. And at the end of the day, you know we do have a finite number of trades left, and you know you only have so much cash. So at the end of the day, like if you can afford to do it because you got bank, basically, then I don't have an issue with it. But I, th- I just think if you have the cash available, like you're going to have to prioritize points basically, especially if you're up the top and you're trying to chase down the leader or whatever. Like the matchup is so good against the, the Cowboys who are weakened because they don't have their first choice fullback there. They've got a, you know, a relatively fresh guy in the hammer who's, you know, a freaking attack, but still, still learning defensively. And, you know, if you look at the last five rounds, I think the, the Cowboys are actually second to fullbacks basically behind the Broncos. So a great matchup and I wouldn't be shocked if Pappenhausen comes very close to his break even if he actually gets to play fullback as a you know starting position there. But yeah, look, let's move on from Paps. We know how good he is. I just wanted to remind people of how good he is <laughs> because a lot of people have forgotten. But you know, you mentioned a handful of names, you know, Gutherson, Teddy, Ponga, Latrell, even Reese Walsh. They all have valid arguments to being you know, to be someone you just take a punt on as a pod. I just, you know, I've got Turbo, I've got Paps, I'm just going to stick with that. Like, I could certainly understand if you've got, say, Turbo and Heinz there and you're wondering, you know, do you go to, you know, do you downgrade a really cheap Ponga and have lots of cash up your sleeve for, for future trades? Or do you just go to Pappenhausen because you just want the premium points? Or I think that that that's probably a team-specific question there that you've got to work out for yourself what what works out for your trade plans in the coming weeks basically yeah and for me it's turbo and teddy in the side and i just can't justify the cost of a trade to move a dubious upgrade from teddy to pretty much anyone we all know what teddy can do on his day i probably tend to think that his ceiling is capped with the way the roosters are playing and all those injuries but yeah look it shouldn't be the case that a trade is worth more now than what it is in round one, but it just is. You know, it's human nature that when we've got a lot of something, we value it less, and when we don't have much of anything, we value it a lot more, and, and we just have to be smarter with our trades. Um, I certainly haven't been, and, and I don't have enough, so it's Turbo and Teddy as long as they're you know staying fit for the rest of the year for me. But any of those people you mentioned as a backup to Turbo, I think Turbo is probably, again, no must-haves, but he's about as close as it gets. So finish us off with centre wing, mate. This is 
I mean, the field's just so wide open, particularly with the injuries to Alex Johnson and, and Val Holmes. Yeah, definitely. And the, the number one centering right now is Nico Hines, who is basically a fullback playing in the center wing position, and his time is almost up. That's the reality. So I, I just thought to highlight, you know, 114 average from his 11 games, and I've included the game where he came on, you know, he was at six rather, and then he moved to fullback after Pappenhausen got knocked out. But you know, 114 average in your center wing, just you'd be laughing if you had that the whole time. Uh, then secondly, you've got Garrick, who... If you look at his games with Turbo at fullback, he's averaging 102.4 from those nine games. And even at, at, at fullback himself, 78.3 from those three games without Turbo. And then, you know, you got Brian Toto, you know, Biza, 78 average for the season. We know how good he is, and most of us have him, so that's fine. But as you pointed out, Johnston's gone, Holmes is hurt. And even before the injury, he was kind of gone sliding a bit backwards already as well. And then, you know, who's next? Like, you got the likes of Dan Gagai, who is going well, but it's a, he's pretty inconsistent as well. Ikevali's off a big, you know, 120-plus score. Tupo is just ridiculous floor, but just can't seem to find a try line lately. Corey Thompson was flying high just before he got hurt earlier in the season. Jesse Ramian with the huge base and a lot of popular Options there, Justin Ollum seems to be getting better and better as uh, as his combination of Munster's building up again. I mean, we saw how huge Addo Carr could go earlier in the season. And then, you know, even got the likes of Dane Laurie or, or Jack Bird even. Like, there's so many names here. And I think I feel like whoever nails that third, fourth, fifth centering position and maybe even just finding a bunch and just rotating, which is kind of my strategy. Like, I've, I've loaded up on a whole different type of, um, you know, series of center wings, and I'm just kind of rotating through them now. But like that to me just seems like the best way to hopefully catch up some points in that position. And I think, you know, the only other position I can really see a lot of opportunity here is the back row, basically, with the Toru Harris injury. That to me seems like it's kind of throwing things wide open there. And the other positions, I just think there's some really clear cut options, the premium options you want to have there. And then a lot of, uh, you know, really close second tier options that you probably either have one of them or two of them, and you know, you don't really get a huge amount of increased points, especially with yeah. our limited trades, dropping um, from one to another. And that just really touches on what I was saying earlier about almost picking your horse to run with. Um, you know, pick your team if you think that Souths are coming home strong or someone like that. Then, then take a few shares in their backline, and and obviously people most notably have done that successfully with Manly, um, as I mentioned. But so I guess it's an interesting, you know, question that a lot of people would have given the popularity of someone like a Joseph Suwali. So, you know, with myself, um, I've got the Bulldogs Manu who's nuffed out um, and I've got Suwali on the on my bench there, which means I'm, I've really only got the one swing, you know, reserve centre wing player. Totally on board with what you're saying about centre wing having that depth and playing the matchup. So would you look to move on a... a you know, Sawali, even though he's not that much above base price, just trying to get that versatility and play the matchups in center wing a little more? Yeah, well, that that is literally what I did in round 17, um, trying to, you know, look ahead and look at the center wing matchups. And, you know, that's how I ended up with Sienna Katoa. So I think <laughs> good, good in theory, but bad execution. <laughs> they can't all be winners, folks. No, not at all. Um, but 
look, the, the reality is, you know, my, my center wing line, I've got obviously Ruben Gag, Brian Toro, I've got Ikevalu, I've got Tupo, and also went with Joey Manu, um, who was, you know, playing fullback. Then I've got George Jennings, who had a great game and then got hurt, which is a real dagger for my little setup there. And then I've got Sienna Katora as my seventh center wing. So I, I, yeah, like I had Suwali, I got rid of him so I could have that seven center wing rotation. And unfortunately, it's not quite as perfect as I wanted it to be, but <laughs> limited trades. And I don't know what to do with George Jennings now, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a tough one, mate. But we've gone more than an hour and a half. So let's, uh, let's put that to the side for the moment and, and let's talk trades. You know, we've gone through all of these options. Have, have you landed on, you know, what you might want to be doing this week? Yeah, it's if I trade, it's Torhu Harris out, and I don't know who I'm getting. So I, I haven't decided. I might just sit and wait a week. Like I've got the depth in second row because I've got Barnett and Radley there who could fill in for a week. So yeah, I, I'm tempted maybe just to see what, what happens and take my pick of the best second row option moving forward. But what about you? Yeah, look, Talakai's a priority trade out for me, just an absolute dud. Uh, and, I, and I think I'm going to really look closely at, at ownership. You know, is it a Katoni Staggs who we all know can can absolutely go gangbusters, but we just haven't seen it because he's been injured for so long? Um, or someone like a Justin Olam. Again, you know, I do want to have a lot of Melbourne shares. I think they're the outstanding uh, team in the comp this year. So it'll be to a, a low own centre wing you know, in the hope that I can catch fire and then start to move back up the uh, up the ranks. But probably hold Tohu for a week. And, and the reason why is that I've got a lot of confidence at the moment with uh, my two Newcastle boys in Connor Watson and, and Mitch Barnett that they're going to do a job for me. Uh, Barnett starting at second row and Connor Watson as a 17th man. So Tohu, not quite a priority trade out just yet. I'll, I'll sit and wait for a more appropriate uh, time. And Barnett could make life pretty difficult for Sam Walker this week, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes as well. I think we've covered it in detail, Wilf, though, so do you want to quickly give us the group comp update? Yep, so um, courtesy of supercoachchampion.com. So Robert Cochin-Centurion is still leading, but he's slipped to fourth, uh, and, and it's crazy. He he dropped the rank, scoring 1477, so you know, let's let's not go on to that one again. Um, Andrew, coach of Eliminators, who's uh, dropped to eighth. And then we've got in third position, we've got Clara, who's the coach of Clacker, sitting in 21st. So there's a whole bunch of teams from 21st to like 29th or whatever. And then we've got the two up top in the top 10 who've been there for a long time. So, yeah, um, you know, the, the finish line is in sight. So hoping to see, especially Robert, um, you know, hopefully he can stay strong. He's been leading our group comp for a while now. So, again, promo code CHAMP for 10% off and free shipping for all goods at supercoachchampion.com. And shout out to all the champs, as always, for supporting us. We really appreciate your support and um, thank you for listening. Please, as always, review and um, let us know what we can do better and um, make sure you're subscribed so that as soon as the episodes drop, you can make sure that they're in your podcast app or your podcast feed of your choice. But thank you for listening. And um, good luck with your choices this week. Cheers, boys.